Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. Yeah, in case you're wondering if this is a good job, just so people know, I'm just some guy, right? But every morning, I could chop it up with about football during commercial breaks with Keyshawn Johnson or, or basketball with Jay Will. And then after, you know, if you're 20-plus years in the business, you pick up a thing or two along the way. <laughs> but it's not even for the job. It's just because you like to geek out on sports. What up, Key? What's happening? Going on, Key. It, well, nine hours till the trade deadline, and the, it's it's unbelievable. The tra- no, nine hours to the trade deadline. How about about three hours till the sun comes up? Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I heard it was like eighty degrees yesterday too out that way, man. It's supposed to be fifty you, in New York today. Can't you tell I've gotten darker? <laughs> Don't you dare say anything, Max. I'm talking to Jay. Yeah. Well, can't you tell I've gotten? Can't you tell I've gotten pastier? Casper. <laughs> Yo, these lights in the studio ain't doing me any favors it's either. Right, man. So, not, can they move the NBA trade deadline till after the Super Bowl? This is ridiculous. We don't have enough to talk about with the Super Bowl. We we also got a trade deadline in nine hours. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Guys, Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider. On Greeny with Mike Greenberg, listen to Wendy on the James Harden situation. He is screaming in every way he possibly can, I don't want to be here, get me out of here, just like he did in Houston. And so what the real issue is here for the the Nets is not the consequences of making this deal. It's the consequences of not making this deal. If they don't do this trade, what is James Harden going to do the rest of this season? And then, of course, what is he going to do when he becomes a free agent in the summer? That's what has spurred this into, into being. James Harden's basic feeling that I don't want to be here anymore. Hmm. The reality is James Harden is not going to be in a Brooklyn Nets uniform after this year. It feels like he's gone, right? If you, if you watch the game against the Kings, my man played 37 minutes had four points. Four points. He has to try to do that. <laughs> he had a hand strain. Not a hamstring, Key. Not your hammy. A hand strain in which he sat out of the game. Then he's been having hamstring issues. Body language just doesn't want to be there. Understand that. I'm Sean Marks. You ain't going nowhere, man. I know you want to be out. I know Daryl Morey and the 76ers want you, which is why – Sean Marks and company saying, I want Matisse Thibel, I want Tyrese Maxey, and I want Ben Simmons. Daryl Morey isn't going to give that up. I don't see a deal being done. There's not enough time on the table for these guys to figure it out. And the reality is I put KD and James Harden in the room, and I say, y'all need to figure this out. Then yeah. I bring Kyrie into the conversation, and I say, all y'all need to figure this out for the time being because this could get worse, and James, if you don't want to be here, we get it. But well, I don't think James Harden would embarrass Kevin Durant. I don't know what relationship he has with Kyrie, but I don't think James Harden 
would embarrass KD. And that, that's what it comes down to. Well, if you're already alluding to the hand versus the hammy <laughs> and four points and what was it, you say, 30, what did you say, 20, 37 minutes? 37, 37, like five games minutes. ago before he started taking off, yeah. So now all of a sudden you are embarrassing, if that's the case, Kevin Durant. You're doing it to Kevin Durant because that means that you're not out there giving your all, which – I can't question that because I really don't know that. Uh, the interesting thing that you said, though, and all of that is time. Time of getting the deal done. You're running out of time. There's not enough time to get a complicated deal done, and you're only about nine hours away from the trade deadline being concluded. And so funny because somebody told me this yesterday, and I was having a conversation yesterday with a with somebody in the, in the know in the NBA circle, and that's the first thing that they said is they said, and enough time to do the deal. It's just, it's just not, it's too complicated. And they got on it too late if it was going to happen. But I wonder if they just don't do the deal. You're, you, you're giving up picks and everything else at the end of the year and in the offseason. You're not going to get anything. So you might want to try to get a deal done the best you can because if he walks out the door, if it's true that he doesn't want to be there, and he walks out the door, you get nothing. Well, unless, unless you do a sign-in sign trade, trade and stuff like that. Year. You're going to get a discount. Yeah, but you, yeah, you know, and but here's not, the thing, Key. But you're, still not getting, but you're still not getting back what Philadelphia was, is willing no doubt, to give but you. No doubt, but because Harden's better than Simmons, mm-hmm. I wonder if sign-and-trade Harden gets you Ben Simmons, but just no Maxi, no Thibel. I mean, you're not going to get Maxi and Thibel in that deal anyway. So we're talking a lot about you know, whether Harden wants to stay or go. There's a lot of relationship stuff, right? Like, is this KD's team or is it actually Kyrie's team in a weird way? And where does that leave Harden? And is it three dudes who are like that? It's just KD and Kyrie who have the relationship. And then Harden, right? Here is Wendy, once again, on Harden and Kyrie's relationship. Mm. Last year, Harden and Kyrie really worked hard to fit together. You could see it on the court. You could hear it when they talked about it. They were 16-3 and three playing together last year when uh, Durant was out. They really tried to work. That is over. The Harden-Irving relationship ain't working. Harden is basically, you know, written it on his chest if you've been paying attention. And Durant believes that, that he and Kyrie can do this. And so I suspect that that will result in Harden being gone, whether it's this week or this summer. Okay, Jay, so with that in mind – this is Kyrie from a couple of days ago at, at, at the presser on February 6th uh, on James Harden. Listen. I think James can speak better to that than I can. I mean, we've to the swing of things, um, how all those uh, kind of media plants start going around with rumors and stuff like that. I really do not concern myself with that. So, um, you know, the few conversations that we've had, uh, he's been really committed. And, um, you know, we just hold him to his word. Uh, but obviously when we're going out to play games, we, we can't even really think about it. So, um, you know, we would love to have him in the lineup, um, but we want him at his optimal healthy. Uh, and, and then, you know, we let the rest take care of it. But, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? That's Kyrie on James Harden's commitment. This is, yeah. Ky- by the way, speaking uh, of commitment, Hi- Kyrie plays in half the games. This is on Kyrie on Harden's commitment. Operative word I heard there was few, the few times I've spoken to James. I'm not saying, look, when you're, when you're teammates, when you're working together, doing a show, not everybody has to be best friends to communicate all the time. 
but you would probably want people to be on the same page about what's going on, right? It sounds to me like that's somebody that doesn't really have a relationship with James Harden. And when you think about it at the end of the day, KD and James Harden just want to hoop. Kyrie is obviously making a stand about something bigger that he believes in, which is fine. But I can see where James Harden is like, I just want to win a damn championship. I just want to play. Like, I don't want to go through all this drama and all the stuff that comes along with this. I just want to hoop. That being said, I just want James Harden to push through it. Like, as a fan, after what I saw, how I saw you get out of Houston, fine, it happens. I want to see you get through it. I wanted to see Ben Simmons fight through it, frankly. I just understand Ben Simmons is younger, comes from Australia, you know, probably a little bit more influence. But for James, if the deal isn't going to be done, you still have a legit chance to win a championship, even with Kyrie playing half the game. The, the flip side. Could, be, could Kyrie be simply uh, speaking to the trade we request there, Jay, when he says that, you know, the few times that he's spoken to him, could it be about more, a little more context to it, but could it be about the few times that he talked about him being all in, that they've had that conversation opposed to having conversations with him as a whole? Maybe he's just talking about the, the rumors that's out there. Yeah, I, I don't know, Key. I, I just feel like, you know, I'll give you an example real quick. Our show. Stuff is going down with our show. Yo, Key, what's up? Key, what's going on? Key, talk to me. Now, I'm not saying that tells you everything you need to know, but I, like that relationship, it doesn't feel like that is as cemented as the relationship that Kyrie has with KD or that KD has with James. It just feels like that's the one part of the triangle relationship that seems a little bit off. There's so much here, and because because we got to move it along, but even there's also the bigger issue was with athlete empowerment, right? We're all for athlete empowerment, but at a certain point. When you get to choose where you want to go and hop around, sometimes it's the easy way out. Sometimes it's for Harden. It's like, oh, I'm out of here. Dude, you just got there. You know, any championship team in the old days, at least, used to take a little while to bake. All the relationships weren't perfect, and you were stuck. You had to figure it out, and sometimes they did. And nowadays, show up and, nah, I don't like this. I'm out. Maybe they do need to just sit there and figure it out. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Roger Goodell says the NFL has fallen short in hiring minority coaches. But has Goodell actually done all he can to fix it? That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max were presented by Progressive Insurance. So, Roger Goodell spoke yesterday at length, and he discussed, one of the things he discussed, was the state of racial diversity, and diversity generally, in NFL front offices and coaching positions. And here is Goodell speaking on the on diversity at the head coaching level. We made a tremendous amount, a lot of progress in a lot of areas, but not at the head coach. And that is something that uh, is something we really had focused on to try to get the kind of results that we would expect. And we fell short of that by a long shot. So what we're going to do is step back and look at everything we're doing today, uh, reevaluate that. Uh, everything from looking at the Rooney Rule and seeing what changes should be made to that, if any changes, or should it be removed, which some people have suggested. All of those things are part of that. We're going to talk to other people, have independent people come in and look and help us evaluate it, because it's sometimes hard to evaluate your own policies and procedures, and make sure that we're doing everything we possibly can to create that opportunity for everybody. So... Your reaction to Goodell? You know, I guess when you're the commissioner of the league, a lot of people look to you as the person to make the change, to force the owners into doing something that they haven't done in such a long time. I think when you look at Roger Goodell, a lot of people kind of point the finger at him immediately because he is the commissioner. Uh, He's just mentioned that doing away with the Rooney Rule possibly bringing in independent people from the outside to take a look at it to to make sure that they're trying to do the right things and if not fixing it so it can get done the right way, which I, I think all that is great. But when you talk about Roger, he is more, in my opinion, you just look at the league office and you look at what they do on Park Avenue. He is more of an ally for this more so than against it as an enemy um, from whether or not it's it's minorities and black or women in the league office. They, to a degree, are trying to practice what they preach. Now, you got to remember the league, and I say this consistently, the league is different than the owners. The owners all got different addresses, whether it's one buck place in Tampa, whether it's Frisco and Cowboys, uh, uh, the Cowboys in Frisco, Texas, or whether it's the Rams in Thousand Oaks or Gore Hills, everybody's address is different. And Park Avenue has a different mindset with guys like Troy Vincent there that has to practice what they preach. The owners can preach it and never practice it because they don't answer to the NFL. The NFL answers to them. They pay Roger Goodell's $50 million plus salary. So he gets up and he says what he wants to do, but is it going to be followed 
by the owners. If it's followed by the owners, then we good. And if it's not, then we'll still have this conversation in 2025. Yeah, Jay, I, I, I think that's, that's really interesting. I think it's easy. We, want, we always talk about creating narratives, but those narratives form around characters. Mm-hmm. And it's easy when you look at, at oh wait, one black head, two black head coaches out of 32 teams, 70% black in the league, right, among players – that it's easy to take a character that you can just focus to iron. Roger Goodell. But Key just mentioned Goodell in terms of the league hiring practice as an ally. And, and he, right, you know, he doesn't look bad in all this, but the owners, he can't force owners to hire people. He can just kind of help put rules in place that incentivize them to hire people. There's really nothing that Roger Goodell could do. This is a relationship business, man. And the problem is when you have these 32 entities that are operating as their own single entity, right? They are making their best business decision for them. Now, I've heard things suggested key like creating a summit for owners, right, to be around more uh, black or minority coaching candidates or GM candidates to get an opportunity to, when you're in proximity, get a chance to talk to guys, see who you like, build relationships but the reality is like, it needs to be something along those lines that get there to be more familiarity with who the most competent individuals are in that particular space that can have those jobs, Max. I don't really know what kind of policies to, to incentivize teams even more so could be instituted by Roger Goodell. You know, well, you shouldn't have to ins- That's a slap in the face in, jar- in, in, in general, Key. Yeah, you shouldn't have to incentivize anybody to do – the right thing. When you look at other sports, the other two sports uh, that we would call the big three, right? In basketball, I believe there's 14 black head coaches in the NBA. And I think the NBA makes up close to 75% African Americans. Uh, I think, Jay, you, you mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's the right yeah. number. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially half of the league. There's 32 teams in the NBA there's about 14 black head coaches. And the reason that the reason that is to me is because the NBA circles is a little more urban. Basketball is a little more urban. You know, New York, Chicago, certain parts of Jersey, L.A., Oakland. I mean, you know, I could just pick through some of the rough parts of Dallas, Texas. It's a little more urban. So the basketball owners and presidents of teams start at the AAU level. You know, Jay, they around in them sweaty gyms trying to scout the next LeBron James at a young age. So they see certain things and they feel comfortable with certain things from a poverty standpoint to just overall talent and being in neighborhoods that look totally different. Where the NFL, they're not in that. Major League Baseball, there's, a, there's only, you know, there's only two African-American managers in Major League Baseball. And so, and there's only the makeup of Major League Baseball, and Evan knows this, I think, because he's a baseball guy, the makeup is only about 7 to 9% of African Americans. So you get less because there's less baseball players yeah. at all. And, and so it's a Latin game, right, essentially. So you get a little more Latin managers. So I understand all of that. What I don't understand is if we got 70% plus African American football players, why do we only have a small percentage of head coaches, offensive, defensive coordinators, personnel people, and one, one African-American president of a team in the history 
of the league. I do want to say this very quickly. Even though I do think it is an insult that you would need to incentivize to hire more minorities, I will also be the first that if the opportunity is there, I'm going to take advantage of it. It's the same way the government incentivizes minorities to have businesses. I own minority-owned businesses, MBEs, where you get different grants from the government to start that. So it doesn't mean that just because you're insulted doesn't mean you can't take advantage of the opportunity. 7% is the number. Uh, key of Major League Baseball players who are African-American at the moment. Yeah, what did I say, so, eight to nine? No, 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 seven? you got it right. You said something like that. I mean, it, the point is that it's, it's, it more reflects the population of the players yes. than obviously, and so does the NBA, than, yes. than does the NFL. And let me just say this, for those out there thinking, because uh, a lot of teams are like, I have this rule that I, ha- I know who I want to hire. He happens to be white. I have this rule now. I have to interview a black candidate, so I'm going to get around that. Just with some, to- you know, with a token interview, and that's what Flores' lawsuit's really about. I'll just remind people that a lot of white people in this country throughout its history have had to have rules and laws passed in order to get them to act right, especially toward black people. The Civil Rights Act, they had a Civil Rights Act in 1964 to prohibit discrimination in hiring. What do you think that came out of the ether because there wasn't discrimination in hiring? So as much as rules are flawed and it feels like, hey, in a free country, people should be you should be able to do what you want. When when bad behavior rises to a certain level, when when you see kind of systemic uh, injustice and that reflects even in in who's in positions of power, you do need some rules sometimes to get it to be more normal. It's Thursday of Super Week, and we've heard storyline after storyline. So how many are overhyped and what's underrated? That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Ready right now? Ready right now. Throws over the middle, has Capper's got it for the touchdown! Matthew Stafford is trying to approach this game as if it's just any other one, but he certainly knows that it's not. not. You got a job to do. You got a job to go out there and execute and and try and lead your team to help us win. Ready right now? I think this team is going to play loose. I think some of the pressure is off because of that NFC Championship game. Matthew Stafford putting up big numbers. I don't see why that would stop. I think the Rams win the Super Bowl. So many storylines, and or as, as the kids say nowadays, narratives. There's no more storylines. Now it's narratives. Stories have become narratives. So many 
We're going to get to that in a second. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters, presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. All right, so given all those storylines and narratives, or as, as Key would call them, snap, crackle, and pops, let's yeast. play a little, little yeast terms. <laughs> Stop using my words, man. Let's play a little <laughs> underrated, overhyped. All right, here we go. Are these stories underrated or overhyped this week for the Super Bowl? The Rams playing the game in their home stadium, Key. Is that underrated or overhyped? Well, I think, see, it's underrated. But there's the reason it's underrated for me is because not the home stadium, so to speak, because they never get a home crowd. We saw that against the San Francisco 49ers. It just does, it's not a big supporting situation. But the people are forgetting the underrated part, traveling on the road, taking people out of their element, things that they used to do, and that's not the Rams right now. They're at home. They're sleeping in their own beds. They're waking up like a normal routine. That, to me, is a plus. It's heavily underrated that they don't have to worry about some of the things that Cincinnati is worried about, hotels, people walking in the hallways, making noise. They don't have to worry about any of those sort of things. People uh, in the lobby of the hotel, this is something totally different. I think they'll be well-rested, and it is underrated. I'll say it should be over, 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 overhyped. We all need to overhype it. You know why? Because these dudes are playing in their backyard. Key, if there's, you cannot ask for the football gods to give you a better gift than you playing in your backyard for a Super Bowl. For a Super Bowl where you don't have to travel, it's right there for you. I mean, that's a gift. I actually think, listen, I'll defer to your guys here to you guys here because you have experience with this stuff it seems a little bit overhyped to me what the underrated part to me is how awesome it is that in consecutive years after it never having happened before a team in the Super Bowl is hosting the Super Bowl that's nuts but you know but in terms of the actual effect I don't know it's not going to be like the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead in the playoffs or something like that and yeah, I see that's, yeah, that's, that's, why it's over, that's why it's overhyped that's why I was like the Rams games, Max, you know, uh, being yeah. in L.A., yeah. is a dump. Like, yeah. nobody's there. It's like, hey, who do you root for? Yeah. Uh, my friend gave me the tickets. I'm really a Raider Eagles fan. Eagles fan, yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. really an Eagles fan. Yeah. That's true. As I said, is any Rams home game? No. Like the Chiefs Not really. Not really. Joe Burrow having played in more, quote, big games than Matthew Stafford. Is that underrated or overhyped? Now, now, that's overhyped because the National Football League is bigger than the SEC conference. I don't care if it's Detroit playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's different. It's a big, big difference. You know, you got college fans going nuts. But in the NFL, the pressure and the stress to compete. Jay knows this. He's a big uh, finance guy. It's like a stock, right? It, 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 in the National Football League, you are playing with people's money. Mm-hmm. In college football, you're just having fun. Dropping Bentleys. Dropping Bentleys in the pros. Yeah. I, I'm with Keo on that. I mean, there's nothing – and I get that Joe Burrow played championship games, and I understand that. But the day-to-day pressure of having people who have kids and businesses on the line, that's that's a different type of life. No, not kids. Grown-ass Grown, men yes. with full beards from the top of their temple down underneath their chin – 
with baby car seats in the back with tinted windows. That's why I was wondering about the other answer. Like sometimes I'm thinking if, you know, in terms of well-rested, I might rather be at the hotel depending on what stage of life I'm in. I'm trying to get some sleep, no kids around, right? I would say in this case, I can't say – I have to say – it's underrated. I don't even – it's like I don't think it's overhyped. Joe Burrow, it's something about him that has shown up in big games, like where he's taken it to the next level and he's already on a high level. But I think of the national championship game. I think of him getting sacked nine times and still winning. Uh, as good as Stafford's been under pressure, I think Burrow's even better, and, and he's shown it in big games. Yeah, but Max, you got to think about what we're saying. Pros, stress. NFL is so much different than hmm. SEC college, Mississippi State versus LSU. But I wonder. Okay, if- duh. I mean, think about what I said. Jacksonville playing Detroit. As bad as those teams are, do you can you imagine the stress? That a player is under trying to win a game? But that's what I mean. I think Joe Burrow, that doesn't really affect, like, part of it, it's almost like he's naive about the pressure. The way he strolls into the Super Bowl one full season into his career, really, in a mink and Cartier glass, it's like he's not even, it's like water off a duck's back to him. Until it is. Matthew Stafford's Hall of Fame case hinging on this game. Is that an overrated or under underrated or an overhyped storyline? Jay, start with you. I think that's fairly rated. Can you come up with a third option? <laughs> you got to choose sure. one. You just did. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of I don't think that's overhyped, underrated. I think some of this kind of it, it's there. It's uh, obviously the stats speak for itself with what he was able to achieve in Detroit, uh, with what he's been able to do this year. <laughs> with some of the plays he's been able to make, if he can come through in the clutch and win a Super Bowl, yeah, I think it solidifies him. Yeah, it, it, it does. I think, like Jay says, it's rated where it's rated. I mean, it's not underrated. It's not overhyped. Every, he's done everything that a quarterback should be able to do, which is win games, put up big numbers. But the one thing that he hasn't done is play and win a Super Bowl. Play in it and win it. Um, And when you do that with everything else, we're talking about Russell Wilson being a Hall of Famer, but he's already won a Super Bowl. So he gets the Super Bowl, you can just make sure to get ready for Canton. Yeah, I I would say if I – I will actually play this game and choose one of the options. I'm going to say underrated only because these moments in a player's career, it's not fair in a way, right? This whole career, he's this excellent player, the whole thing. But it really will. How you perform, as you say, Key, don't turn it over. And all those moments count, too. But then be able to make those two or three mm. throws. when the, that's, why, that's why you would get a Hall of Flame, Fame pla- pack, plaque or you don't. Like, it comes down to that. And part of it is also, like, Eli Manning. They don't blow the play dead so he can get the pass off to Tyree. Tyree makes a crazy improbable catch. But whatever it is... That stuff matters. And, yes, his Hall of Fame case likely rests on this game. Or a Super Bowl game in general. Uh, yeah, right. Doesn't have to be this year, but here, here's a shot. Max, no offense, but I got to ask these, this, first question to, this next question to Key and Jay. First, the <laughs> Bengals have nothing to lose in the Super Bowl, Key. The Bengals have nothing to lose in the Super Bowl. Nothing to lose in the Super Bowl. Overhy- overhyped? Or yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say that's that's overhyped. 
They have plenty to lose in the Super Bowl. You're losing a damn Super Bowl. You don't want to be the guy sitting at the end of the bench at the end of the game watching the other team sit there with your head leaned back looking at the sky with little tears trickling down as they drop the confetti on the other side. That's not what you want to do because you may never get back. Exactly, Key. You know, the public sentiment may be, well, yeah, I mean, they're playing with house money. Nobody really expected the Bengals to be there in the first place. Well, let me tell you, I know Joe Burrow expected to be here. Whether you believe that or not, that's the reality because that's how that guy thinks. That's how Zach Taylor and company are thinking now, that they not only deserve to be here, but that they belong here. And anything short of a Super Bowl for a guy like Joe Burrow, who's won championships, that's a failure. Okay, and that's I'm, okay. I totally agree. I think it's overhyped. And, and follow me with this. Remember I brought it up the other day, how when you're on a treadmill uh, and then you get off – your body, that, that little sensation like yep, your, body your body still, body still feels weird. Yep. That's because our brains, no offense, our brains are prediction machines. They make predictions constantly about the future. And when we perceive these different players and teams, we're trying to hit a moving target. And right now, you can't just compare it to what the Bengals have or haven't done. You have to compare it to what the Bengals could do. We think of Joe Burrow as he's about to become the face of the league potentially. Oh, my God, the biggest winner, da da da, da. All of a sudden, Matthew Stafford flips the script. And it becomes all about Matthew Stafford. And we're going to be asking questions. Can the Bengals get back to the Super Bowl? Is Joe Burrow overrated if he has a bad game? All those things. Like, how it, strong it, is the AFC? How, yeah. Can it look at Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson's going to get there. All these got Justin Herbert. So, so the swing in terms of what it means for that whole franchise plus the quarterback between winning and losing this thing is huge. So Man, I, I, it, yeah. All right, here's it, the reason I asked it. Here's the reason I asked it to Key and Jay first. Max, this was yesterday on First Take. Take a listen to Stephen A. and Kurt Warner. I'm looking at Cincinnati as, as, as an even tougher opponent from this aspect. I think they're walking in there playing with house money, absolutely nothing to lose other than the game, of course, whereas all the pressure is on the Los Angeles Rams. Your thought about that notion? But no offense, my man, but it's spoken like a person that's never played in a Super Bowl. <laughs> what? Boom. Boom. Real talk. <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't even know you were going to do that. Last night I spoke at USC uh, at a class, and one of the students that was a student there wanting to be a journalist, he posed kind of that same question to me. And he brought up Max and Stephen A. So I, he must have got that from first take because he said, as an athlete, how do I feel when someone who's never played says something like that? And I'm like, now I get it. Oh, okay. Well, but, you know what, response. but you know what, guys? I got to say something about that. Like, I do know what Stephen A. means there in the sense that Makes is there sense. more pressure on the Rams? Is there like because they went all in because because Stafford's been around a long time? But, but, Can the Bengals play a little faster I, and looser? I, I Probably. Just, I just want to say something that JJ Reddick said, and it's the way I've been thinking about this two key for all my life. The media we love to create this narrative like who is there more pressure on? We create that. Yeah. Players don't create that. We create that. So from the players, they're. Joe Burrow is putting pressure on Joe Burrow to get things done. Like, that's the expectation for Joe yeah, Burrow. It's you, the same with Matthew Stafford. You, you know what I mean? Have, you do have pressure when you play in big games as a player. The media adds to that pressure. People can tell you all day long, Max, and the only reason why I'm referring to you because you are more so a media member, yeah. I believe. I'm a civilian. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so 
it's created. The pressure is put on us as players, and we will tell you, oh, I'm not worried about that. I'm not, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm not. No, we hear and read every damn thing mm-hmm. in the world about us as players and what we do. We may tell you we didn't see it, or we didn't hear Max Kellerman screaming and hollering early in the morning about Falling what I'm supposed cliff. to do. We we hear it. We may never say it, but we know in order to shut you up, we have to perform at a high level and win a game, but we may never, ever tell you that you were behind that to a degree. But would you agree that like something like, so I think of Brady and Stafford, one of the most impressive things to me about Stafford this year is it's not that Brady doesn't feel pressure. It's that he's been there a billion times. He just won his seventh Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he doesn't feel it, but when he led them, I just got the feeling, here comes Brady, and everyone had that feeling. I think the Rams had that feeling. And Brady brought him right back. Now Stafford gets the ball. When Stafford got the ball there, to me, that's more pressure than Brady was under. Stafford never been there. He'd never won a game like that in the playoffs. Brady just led him all the way back. So to me... I, I get what Stephen A. is saying about, about the Rams here because Stafford in that moment, ooh, that's a different kind of pressure. No, it is, I was just going to say that it's a different pressure, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's why it's a different pressure before we move on, Evan. Is Tom Brady's pressure is if I lose this game, I'm retiring. Right. You don't know it. He knows it. So everything in him is trying to win the game so he doesn't have to walk off the field and go in and think about it and retire. Matthew Stafford pressure is, is I got to make this throw to Cooper Cup even though a linebacker is getting ready to stonewall me right in the chin because if I don't make this throw, everybody's going to say how bad I suck. And then That's keep, that pressure. And they keep mm-hmm. moving forward. Matthew Stafford in this game is saying, damn, this team went all in. We got all the pieces. My long career in Detroit, we never got here. I made the play against Brady. Now I'm here going against a second-year quarterback that people were saying could be against the face of the league. And then vice versa for Joe Burrow. Look how stacked the AFC is. I'm here, but I know I belong here. But this is my moment, too. I know Burrow's human, but it does seem to me there are some dudes who are like, like Kobe or someone like that was like, it's not about all the negative possibilities. It's about here's the moment. Give me yes. the ball. Yes. I know I I put in the work. I'm ready to show out. Right? Yeah. Like what you, you don't know is what you don't know. It's and you're end, not right? gonna shy away from the pressure. You're not gonna shy you see if you're shying away from the pressure, you ain't no damn good anyway. Right. I mean it's just the reality of it. You're not gonna shy away from it. Bill Parcells told me when I played in the AFC championship game against the Denver Broncos, he told me, he says, look, Pre-game, he, I think it might have been a night before when he was saw me getting a snack. He said, he goes, snack. make this the best game you ever played in because you may never, ever get back to the AFC Championship game again in your mm. career. Mm. And until I went to Tampa Bay and, and eventually played the Philadelphia Eagles, that was a long stretch from Denver to Philly in the NFC Championship game, that was a that was a, about a I think it was about a four or five year uh, hiatus away from the championship game. It could have been longer if we didn't get there and win it and beat Philadelphia and go to the Super Bowl. So you got to seize the moment, man. You can't mess around. I know guys that have never ever played in a playoff game and played longer than me in the NFL. Do you think that Parcells would have said that to – like, in other words, that's a lot to put on a player. Do you think he knows who he can say that 1, to and who he can't? Does he just have a team of all players he can say that to? Or is there a reason he selects certain players to say that to? He selects certain players to say it to. He's going to say it to players that he believes is standing right next to him on the sidelines. 
which means that is going to give it his all, not one foot in, one foot out, thinking about something totally different in that particular moment in time. Um, because certain coaches know how to push certain buttons for certain guys. Well, that's the thing, Key. The best coaches know that they can coach you collectively, but they also need to inspire you and motivate you individually and understand that, Max, the way you're built is different than the way I'm built. It's different than the way Key built is built, right? So he might be able to say something like that to Key. He may not be able to say something like that to you. Maybe it's like, let's watch some film so you can understand the nuances of the game. That's what the best coaches are able to do, talk to you in Wonder, different ways. You know, and that's why certain guys in leagues get away with certain things that other people don't. There you go. And everybody sit there and go, well, he's got two lockers. How come I can't have two? Because you ain't the same. That's why. Yeah. You different. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I'm looking at McVay and Zach Taylor and just the experience of having been there before, even though he's only 35 years old. McVay, and I'm not saying that, like some coaches just have that thing, right? And so, but McVay must have now be refining his preparation, you know, and he's even said as much, right? I'm not overloading them, all this stuff, and I wonder if these kind of things really give the Rams an advantage because their coach has been there. What, has, did Coach K ever, or I'm sure he did, but like what did Coach K say to you? Did he take you aside as best player on the team and – you know, no, I, but I've heard Coach K talk about this before in, in championship games. It, you know, his first championship game, it was like, hey, I, I overanalyzed things so much. I thought about things so much. And the second time he got back there, he was saying, hey, I, I prepared, but I prepared to think less during the game, right? It, it's like almost studying for a game, calling a game. I do all the research not to get to the game to start spewing off facts, but I start reacting to the game. And then I say, oh, okay, this fact – is applicable to what's actually happening instead of me just riddling off facts. But he must have said something. Listen, you're the two-time player of the year, two-time, and a national champion eventually. So, like, he never took you aside and said, Jay Will. His thing was always visualizing, visualization. Like, think about holding that trophy up. Think about having the ball at the end of a game. Like, getting you to think of of end-of-game scenarios so you envision that and you believe in that. That's interesting because that's what I was saying earlier about Burrow. There are some guys who are thinking about the negative outcome, right? Oh, if what if I happened to drop this ball? What if, and Burrow strikes me as the type, and I don't know. I'm not in his skin, right? But he strikes me as the type, and Kobe felt this way to me, and there are some guys who feel this way to me like they want that moment because they're ready to show out. It's like, oh, great. Now we get to see what's what. He strikes me that way. Yeah, but, it, you know, and, and he probably is. Um. I just, you know, you want to you wanna kind of be cautious in these situations because this is a very young team. And you mentioned Sean McVay's preparation. First time around, he had too much time on his hand. Mm. On Monday, it was one game plan. On Wednesday, it was another. On Friday, it was another. By the time they got to the, seat, the game, he had about nine different damn game plans. And yeah. so I think having failed the first time around because of the preparation, it'll be better for him as well as the rest of the team this time around where Cincinnati is going into it with the unknown. And that said, Key, Jay, one-year wonder or the NFL's next dynasty? What qualifies as a dynasty, by the way? What's more likely? That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. 